We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Sorry, I don't know why I got hype. Maybe um, that should be my reaction right now. Why? Because like the Yankees all season, the way things are going, uh, we're gonna get to good. that. Um, <laughs> feeling gooch. Nick is joining us via satellite, aka my cell phone. Oh, here. We're out here. Hello. Oh yeah. Um. Ow, Jesus Christmas. We have a lot to go over. Christmas not... very soon. Oh, shout out real quick. Christmas movies. Yo, by the way. I got a fake tree and everything, but you already know I got two candles. One of them's mistletoe. One of them's uh, magical frosted forest. Both, when you light them both, it makes a good mixture in the air, and it smells like Christmas in this bitch. I need yeah. some, like, pine scent. Like, yeah, now, that's, what, that's how, uh, what the mistletoe is. Joe, someone's we... calling you, bro. I know. I just hung <laughs> up. Uh, I got a real tree this weekend. Eight feet Eight feet tall. Eight feet tall. That's a big ass tree. It's just touching my ceiling. It's a big motherfucking tree. Yeah. I love it. You're going to be cleaning up pines and shit. It's all good. I don't got a dog or nothing, so I got to worry about any of that. Yeah, I know. But still. Got decorated shit on, though. <laughs> no, nah, the decorations, you know, I like I like a subtle tree. Is this your first tree? The, well, the first tree of my girl in our own apartment, yeah. But not like my first tree ever. I, had a tree. Obviously, I, I, I hope <laughs> not. Yeah. I'm saying, like, all my or- my ornaments are trash. <laughs> Because like they're mad Word. basic, like I don't got like cool shit yet. Joey yep. has that like generic Manhattan lobby Christmas tree. Yeah, my shit is garbage for now. I have I have nothing. She has everything. Like she brought all the Christmas ornaments. I I have two ornaments up there, and it's because she bought them for me. It's a football and a baseball, and the rest is like her like gold balls and shit. Yeah, angels. We got one that's like a, a mask from the Lion King. That's that, it's that's fi- that one's fire. It's right in the middle. That is heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's jump into sports because we got a lot of shit on the menu today, starting with uh, the fight night that happened this past weekend. Cup Swanson and T-City, Brian Ortega. 
Uh, we'll get to that. But first, probably the most brutal knockout of the year, I would say. Yeah. Al Jermaine got a fucking knee. Uh, I was texting Eric. Well, uh, our MMA chat, actually. Yeah. Uh, me, you, and Eric. And I was like, yo, Marlon Murray is about to come out swinging right now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Aljo's a wrestler and stuff. He got that wrestling background. So I was like, I think Murray's going to try and keep us on the hands. You don't really want to go to the floor. But I did not see a knee coming. Neither did he. <laughs> as much as yeah, as much as Aljo didn't see it coming, but uh, yeah, it was chill. that was vicious and it was like completely unintentional, being that like he tried for a head kick. Yeah, and Aljo just dove in looking at. No, I think he was trying to throw like a flying knee, like a, a knee to the stomach, because he like he shot was, for a takedown at the same time as he threw a knee. Yeah, and I was like, oh, and he, yo, he nah, he was he going was for a head kick. Out. He said he was going for a head. Did kick. he? Yeah, I didn't even see that, but. He, it looked like he was just like throwing a knee to the body and he just like shot at the perfect right time. To the kisser. Yeah. yeah. He was knocked out. He was not moving. They stretchered him. When he was on a stretcher on the way out, that's when he woke up. Yeah. That's how long he was out. It's a long ass time, man. It's like a couple of minutes. What does that feel like? I don't know. You want to see what it feels you like? Come get a knee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that shit was wild. Also, my boy Jason Knight fought uh, Gabriel Benitez and got completely dominated, outclassed. At no point did Jason Knight look like the Jason Knight we've been seeing in the past couple of fights. I don't know what the hell was up with him. He was just a punching bag that whole time. I told you. He wasn't like moving his head. Like he was just standing in front of him with a direct line. It looked like, like he was just trying to knock him out with one hit the entire time. Yeah. Like he was just load up and he was just swinging like crazy. It was kind of You fought Ricardo Lamas last. and That probably fucked him up. Because yeah, he was on a hot streak and then he, he, you run into a guy like that. He just broke into the rankings, the contender rankings. 15, yeah. Or, yeah, but like before that, before they lost to Lamas. Oh, yeah. And... I don't know. Lamas is a legend, and he's been up. He's been top five for years now. Mm-hmm. So that was a big step up for him. And he lost, and now he took back to back losses. So rough the, go for your boy. Yeah, I know. It was it was upsetting. You know, I think my I think I have a new favorite fighter other than our boy Jared. But uh, you guys know about this kid Eric Anders? Yeah, I saw him. On, he was on UFC Long Island. He fought yeah, so. a Sapo. fighting natal no he heard his hand before he made his ufc debut in long island in june and then he fought natal like three weeks later with a hurt hand and yo his left hand is crazy anders yeah like I mean, sleep worthy you fight machita though that's yeah but machita's kind of washed now. i mean yeah he is washed but he still fought mad long and he just look got yo, killed so by brunson that's what i was texting eric about i was like yo this kid has some set and he's like yeah you know machita's Machida's kind of washed now, but I was like, yeah, dude, for you to call out a legend like that, I don't think Machida takes that fight. Yeah, I don't think he will either. Maybe after he gets one more, then maybe like once he becomes a name, then he could fight Machida because then it'll be like 
you know, it's it's a fight for him. He knows what he's doing, Anders, because you fight Machida, he's still got his name. That name still holds yeah, yeah. weight. So if you beat him, then you're like, oh, he beat the, him this 3-0 guy. 3-0 and, and yeah, exactly. in the UFC if he beats Machida. Yeah, but I don't know if he takes it after this fight. Like, Marcus Perez doesn't anything crazy. Um, the main event here was fucking crazy. Cub Swanson, who I fucking like too. Damn, both my guys went down this fucking time. Uh, Cub Swanson and Brian Ortega. Ortega is like fucking the hottest thing in the UFC right now. I'd say this guy's a fucking savage. Um, cool fight. I, I like the fight. Uh, Ortega won by submission. Crazy, like, just jumped on Cub Swanson and grabbed his fucking head and just put him in a guillotine. And then while he was like suspended in the air, readjusted his it. grip. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, crazy. I was I was like looking at Dana White's uh, comments after like the card. He's like, I've never seen anyone with the ability at this high of a level to do that to like switch grips and then lock it in and tap someone out. He's like, especially a, a black belt in Cub. So just like, yo, he's crazy. I thought he had it at the end of the first round. Yeah, it looked choke like he had on him then. He had a crazy choke on him. And then uh, the bell saved by the bell, and the second round he came out it was much of the same. Ortega well, was bringing the pressure a bit. I, I feel like Cub Swanson was landing a lot more in the second round, and then he just kind of he once he grabbed him, it it was over. He just yeah. grabs him, he just locks his legs around him, and it, it was dude, he's crazy. Ortega too. This is this is a guy that could possibly be holding the belt. He and said it. He's like, I, he's like, I know Edgar got hurt. Like, I want him to get his chance. Like, I'm not gonna jump him, but he's like, I'm ready to. Go. He's like, I'll wait till after that fight. Dana White even said he's like, he's not gonna get a shot before Frankie Edgar is. And yo, I fuck with Frankie Edgar so hard. I hope he wins that belt. Uh, in the past, he's always run into Aldo, and that's kind of been his kryptonite. So that's why he's never had it. <laughs> or out of yeah, I don't think he's ever had it. But um, now Holloway got it, so maybe he could take it from him. I don't know. Holloway is super hot right now. I feel like. It's gonna be tough for Frank. I feel like T City would be an amazing matchup. It would for yo. him for for T City against Holloway. I would love that because yo he could strike too. Yeah, and we see what he could do with like his jujitsu is crazy. So I mean that would that would be interesting. But this could be someone we could see holding the belt that could take it away from Holloway or Frank Frankie Edgar for that matter. But really dope card. Uh, yeah, solid pretty card. Pretty fucking awesome. Also, big news in the MLB. Uh, I know Boss is happy because Stanton is now on the Yankees. I'm very fucking happy. It's like yo, it's almost like you would say Christmas came early. There's nothing that <laughs> there's nothing that'll be under my tree that'll make me as happy as that. I the first person and I I'm a big was, Christmas guy. I know the Vegas first tickets or <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe the nah first, close <laughs> Stanton. First two people I thought of were you and my sister's fiance because he's a big time Yankee fan. And I texted him at like eight in the morning. I was like, Christmas came early. And then he had no idea. He didn't like didn't answer me for an hour because he wasn't up yet. And then uh, he told me when I saw him later that day that the day before people were talking about it. And he was like, "Dude, everyone relax. This is clearly a rumor. Not gonna uh -huh. happen." Woke up. He's on the Yankees now. It happened so quickly because there was deals in place with the Marlins. I mean, not with the Marlins. Duh, with the Marlins. Uh, with the Giants and with the Cardinals. And Pending his approval because he has a full no trade clause. And he said no. He doesn't want to do it. And I don't know if uh, Derek Jeter's getting a lot of. Uh, a lot of blame and a lot of praise from Yankee fans. Like, oh, yeah, he's still helping us out. But the Damn group right. that bought the Marlins from Jeffrey Loria was a group of invest investors. And they are interested in one thing, and that's making money and making their stockholders happy. And they promised their stockholders that, that they'd be down under $75 million this year. And this is a big first step because that was a giant contract that Stanton had. And this was a straight salary dump because they're not getting much out of it. 
Like the, the Yankees have better prospects they could have got. Yeah, they got two mid-level guys in Jorge Guzman and Jose Devers, who's yes. Rafael Devers' cousin. So two lower guys in the Marlins system. But keep in mind, the Yankees also have a, one of the deepest prospect pools in baseball. So, I mean, you never know. And they also got Starling Castro, who's adequate. He's going to play second right away because D. Gordon's gone now. That's if they don't flip him. They're, yeah, they're talking about flipping him. Um, but we'll see. I feel bad for Castro because... <laughs> He got traded from the Cubs after they went to the NLCS and lost, and then they won the World Series. Now the Yankees are the World Series favorite in Vegas, as Nick mentioned earlier. And, uh, yeah, now he's got traded again before a possible World Series run. So, shout out to Sterling Castro, man, going through it. But, yo, John Carlos Stan, you add him to the Yankees. I think that's a big pickup. I know a lot of people I know in the city are talking about, oh, they should spend that money on pitching, blah, blah, blah. Get a starter. We need another starter. Or two starters, even, I've heard. But... If you look back at the ALCS, they went to Houston up 3-2 in the series and put up one run in 18 innings. So adding a bat and an NL MVP is never a bad move at the price given. Not just a bat, probably the premier bat in terms of power hitting right now outside of the other guy that plays in that same <laughs> lineup, Aaron Judge. Um, they did an analysis of his fly balls, and they, and they concluded – that Stanton would have hit 70 home runs had he had been playing <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. And remember, Yankee, now but, you're, you're, he's going from one of the uh-huh. hardest places to hit a home run to quite possibly the easiest. Not only Yankee Stadium, though. like You got to incorporate Baltimore into that. Baltimore, them about Boston. 11 times a year. Toronto. Yeah. that's a, That whole AL East is a bandbox band city out there. It is. Tampa and he's, Bay, too. In, in some Tam- in some, I mean, Tampa Bay is the most pitching-friendly park in that whole place, and that's a hitter's park. Yeah. So it's it, it's crazy. And the, and the Marlins, on the Marlins' side, they're not done dealing. They're already talking about Marcelo Zuna. Uh, they're talking Christian Yelich. They already dealt D. Gordon to the, to the uh, Mariners. Mariners. They're not done. There's only one difference between the past fire sales of the Marlins, because this is a Marlins tradition, right, and this one. They're not getting anything back for anybody in this one. They're literally just clearing salary, and it's going to put their team in a hard spot. It was tough, though, because their hands were tied. Like Stories are coming out now, now that the deal's official, that they had those deals, like you said, with the Giants and the Cardinals, and he turned them down. But he says, Stanton, that is, that he gave them the four teams he would only accept the trade to before those deals were even in place. So like he was doing them a courtesy of, like, okay, I'll meet with them since you have a deal in place, but I really have no intention of changing my mind. And that's what happened. And then their hands were tied. Supposedly, the front office of the Marlins, the new ownership, was like, all right, you know, you don't want to accept these trades, which they probably had better offers for at the time, then we're going to keep you here for 10 years, and you're going to suffer and be miserable. And he called their bluff, and a couple days later, he's a Yankee. Yeah, he he was talking sh- pretty a lot of shit in his post, right? Yeah, you even were, on the gram, yeah. You were the one telling me. Yeah, he, he, he write, you know, the usual thank you. Oh, the fans, the players, I'm going to miss suiting up with you guys, going to war with you. And he's like, I tried to, and then he, in a quote, he wrote, I tried to remain as professional as possible during the unprofessional and circus times in Miami. So, and he said that, I think, in his press conference, too. And he even took a shot at Marlins. I don't know if it was the fans or whatever, but he said, you know, if you're going to watch, watch from afar, because he's, I guess he's going to do damage this year from the Yankees. I mean, yo, they, uh, first of all, they have the, their bottom three in attendance, them, Tampa Bay, and the Padres. So he wasn't 
you know, you have a guy like that, he's a generational talent, and you're not even filling up your stadium, and he's on a contract like that, which, by the way, after taxes in New York, yeah, it's only, he's only going to make, I, he's only going to make $168 million, but, uh, you, yo, it must be nice, man. I made such a terrible mistake growing up being a Yankee, uh, not being a Yankee fan. Yo, <laughs> same here, Nick. I don't know what the fuck my parents and grandparents and uncles were thinking making me Mets and Jets fans. Like, I, what the fuck? Yo, you know what's crazy? My mom was, uh, my mom was doing the laundry, and then you know I was playing Xbox, which is what all I'm doing the last like month and a half. But uh, she comes over and she goes. I tried to tell you when you were younger, you should have listened to Mama. My mom's a big Yankee fan. I actually tweeted this out, how, like, she's been to, like, 150 Yankee games, like, old Yankee Stadium and shit. She's a huge fan. But my uncle, I think I've told this story before, and Tim Tim agrees with me, how it's always, like, an uncle or a random family member that, you know, steers you in, in the wrong direction. And, uh, yeah, she was like, you know, stay miserable. I was like, wow, thanks, Ma. Yeah. <laughs> The evil empire is definitely back. The, the the old lovable Yankees are gone. I was going to say for one year, I was like, oh, yeah. this, te- this Yankees team isn't like, it's not hard to like them. Like they got a, y- a bunch of young talent, homegrown talent, and then they go back to their evil empire. Ways. <laughs> I will say this. There's a lot to be done in this. It's it's a young offseason. The winter readings are have, are starting today. It's a, a very young offseason. There's only the first move, but a NL MVP with a chip on his shoulder in a small ballpark. He said it too. He, I don't know. Tim is big on this. He's like, I can't wait to go play for a, like a winning culture. Yeah. Which there was none, none of that in Miami, and the exact know, opposite. He met with Jeter. They said um, when Jeter took ownership, and they asked him because he's obviously a star player and he's getting paid the most money. Like, oh, what do you, what do you feel the direction of the team should be? He's like, I think we need to go out and add some pitching. And then Jeter's like, Well, we're gonna go out. <laughs> That's not our plans. We're planning on staying pat or even selling off some pieces. And he was like, then I just went out of here. Like, I'm not going through a rebuild again. Where he's been there already, he is part of the rebuild. And there was a rebuild before him. So he's like, I'm not, I'm too far ahead of my career. He's already 28. So his prime years are ahead of him. And he doesn't want to be stuck in a rebuild situation. Especially, and, you know, it's, it's not even like he's in Colorado. You know, he's in a, he's a home run hitter in a ballpark that is not conducive to home run hitting. Right. Uh, in a team that's not going to win for an ownership group that he doesn't like. Sayonara. It's time to go. Yeah. Yankees I mean, you know what also you know what also killed them, man, and you know ultimately the dude passed away. But losing Fernandez, that that set them back four or five years. Yeah, more ways than one. Because now they lost him. It's probably due to that. Well, partially due to that. They have no ace of their staff, and yeah, I mean he was their top prospect. He was coming along. He was rookie of the year. Was he rookie of the year? I believe so. It was him and Harvey. I don't remember who. Believe took that accolade home. I think he did, and he was like, you know, in contention for Cy Young for a year or two after that in his young career. Preview, I believe it was one of it might have been the first preview show we did for MLB, and you know, it was uh, that's when I brought out the Marlins up, and it was when uh, Fernandez and Stanton were in the lineup. Um, the you know, I think he had only like twenty eight starts, but they were like twenty six and two in Fernandez starts and Stanton because the big question mark with those two guys were. Both were were injury prone. You know, Stanton, I think last year was the first healthy campaign he had and you know, he won MVP. So yeah, that was that was huge. And like I said, look, ultimately the dude passed away. But yeah, that, that from a baseball standpoint, that definitely set set them back and like you said, boss, that could be like a trickling effect 
as like down from the top as Hawaii uh, Stanton's been shipped now. Yeah, it's crazy. The injury concerns you bring up too. I was reading. It's not really a big deal if he misses time with injuries because keep in mind the Yankees only gave up Starling Castro from their roster, so the Yankees still have the power bats. So again, Greg Bird back hopefully for a full year of health. Um, he missed most of the year. He's a middle of the back guy, and yeah, I mean you're not you're not really losing. You're losing a great average hitter who will hit 15 home runs, but replaceable with Torres who looked good last year, who hit 280, 290. So if he goes down with an injury, I think the Yankees will be all right for an extended period of time. Poor Marlins fans. They this team really looked like they were on the come up. So we talked about the untimely death of of uh, Fernandez, and and when you're talking about things like that, it's hard to talk, put it in baseball terms. But I'm gonna. You had him, and then you had uh, you know a solid rotation behind him, and then you have th- three guys in the lineup with Osuna, Yelich, and Stanton that are that's a three four five or nowadays two three four that anybody would love. D Gordon leading off. D Gordon as well on top of that. And then you're thinking to yourself as a as a, a fan, we're finally out of Jeffrey Loria. We're finally away from this dude that sells a team off every year, right? We finally get sold. We finally have a core. And then what happens? Turn around and the dude who wins MVP, you trade him at the prime of his value just to get rid of his money. I don't know how you stay a, a fish fan. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not about changing allegiances, but if I was a Miami, uh, a Miami fan, I would change teams and I, I wouldn't even blame them yeah but they've done this in the past the only defense they had in the past is they would do a fire sale after they won a world series and and they would be getting players like when they traded josh beckett they got hanley ramirez back like they were getting players they were getting they were getting holes for their guys and now they're getting two mid-range prospects for the nl mvp who just crushed 59 home runs that's a straight up salary dump. That's yeah, it was. It's 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 unethical. It's unethical. I don't know how to say that. Is it unethical? Unethical. unethical. It's unethical. It's it's not what it's about. If if I was the if I was a commissioner, I would probably make some noise about this. Yeah. And I'm not being salty. I'm 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 rooting for the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, another big signing. Uh, Otani finally decided he's going to the Angels. Um, can someone explain to me why he's only making? What he's making over there? Oh, because uh, the CBA, the way it was... Imp- they agreed to a new CBA or something. It's international spending money, so you only have a, an allot- a certain allotment of spending money. Spend on like guys from the Dominican who aren't draft eligible and Puerto Rico. Like, international guy. Any international guy. Right. So, they have a pool, and, and the period pretty much passed in the summer. So, you have whatever you have left over that you didn't spend until the next summer. And teams who went out and splurged and spent all their money on international free agents, had no money, and then whatever was left over, he was making on salary. So it wound up like, I think the Mariners had the most money to spend and whatever, whatever. So he's not getting a lot of money because he came over here as an international free agent. And yeah, but he's going to have a ton of endorsements, dude. Like yeah, but Japanese endorsements. And then whoever's, whoever's going to pick him up here, he's playing with Mike Trout. So it's like, they're going to be back on Sunday Night Baseball a lot, I, I think now. They already have... Not that Pujols is any good anymore. His numbers are fading big time, but he's still a big household name. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think the money. But that's why, yeah, if you ask, that's why he's getting such a low salary. Could he not get uh, Could he not get that money in Japan? I don't think it's about the salary. I think it's about the, you know, he wants to make it in America. I think that if you look, it, that's that's the next step in Japanese baseball. That's where all the Japanese Hall of Famers come to, to make their names. 
Sure, but it says I'm I'm reading this thing right now. It says Otani is so promising that scouts estimate he would be worth more than two hundred million. Yeah, on the open market. If he was like a regular standard free agent. Right, and now he's getting five hundred forty five thousand per year. Well, yo, he did this to himself because if you go back to the first question you asked me about spending, why is he getting such a low salary? The agreement they have in place with the the uh, the Japan League is if you come over before you're 25 years old, then you're subject to international free agent. You're you're an international free agent. Whereas if you come over after 25, you're listed as a free agent, a standard free agent. He's betting on himself. So, yeah, similar to Tanaka, my bad team, and like Darvish, who got. Regular contracts after they came over later. Matsui, uh, all those guys came over. Ichiro, who was yeah. a legend, he already had like a thousand plus hits before he came over. So all these guys came over after twenty five. So what about? I mean, it says he's committed to the Angels for six years. So committed to the Angels. Like, there's probably some arbitration years in there as well. Yeah, because that's just like the free agents, right? The international free agent stuff. So when you when you have arbitration, you you get you get whatever the the market sets for you. All right. I mean, I was just curious about that, but yeah, I mean, but does that it, make the Angels like that I mean, much better? We got to see how this kid plays. Yeah, it's it's, it's the it's AL West is who we have in the AL West. The Mariners who who missed out on him. They were like banking. Yeah. They need a pitching arm, and he would have fit that need big they time. The Astros. The Astros, who are the favorites, you know, maybe it puts the Angels in wild card contention. I would. It's gonna be interesting to see how they use him because if they DH him, right, and this the whole point of this guy is supposed to be. A guy who could throw it a hundred and hit it four hundred, right? Yeah. And if you're gonna sign him, I doubt that you're not gonna be using him to his full potential. So what are they gonna do? Are they gonna play him in the outfield? Probably not. Injury risk is too high. Are they gonna play him at DH? If they play him at DH, then Albert Pujols has to play the field, and his fielding prowess has significantly deteriorated since he's been on the Angels and as he's gotten older. So it's interesting to me to see: Are they gonna just keep him as a starting pitcher? Because if they do. I feel like that's almost a waste of talent. But on the other hand, if you are the Angels and you add whatever this guy could be at his prime, right? You add an ace-type caliber pitcher and a cleanup type caliber hitter. That's something you can't pass up on. So I, 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 I'm really interested to see how they use him. To a team that has no farm system like right now yes. or, or has had no farm system for the last couple of years. So you add Otani, you instantly add your top prospect. Not only do you add your top prospect, you add someone who can contribute next season as a frontline rotation guy. And maybe as an everyday DH, as Tim said, it's going to be tough because like Pujols, he's going to have to sacrifice. And even though he's older, and I know you're paying him a ton of money, but if you board an Otani, you want him to hit and you want him to be in that lineup pretty much every day. That means Pujols has got to make a sacrifice and play the field. I don't. He's old, but you risk injury, sure. But he hasn't been hitting well enough to... Where I want to plug him in at DH every day and waste my designated hitter spot on him. Where he's hitting what two forty? I wouldn't say I it's, mean, a, it's a waste. He's still he's still producing. He's still producing runs, but you're right. Not not wasted the right, maybe yeah. waste for lack of a better term. But you don't want to use a your DH spot on a guy who's going to hit two forty every day in the, in the middle of your lineup. It's going to be interesting to see. That's for sure. This is the first player of his caliber. Remember Brooks Kishnick? No. Brooks Kishnick was the last player. That I can remember, who was officially listed as a pitcher slash outfielder, but he was not great at either. He threw like eighty six, and <laughs> he batted like one eighty. So I hope that who knows, man. This this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to watch. All right. Well, also uh, in uh, MLB news here, it's the winter meetings. 
where the GMs are going to get together. A bunch of trades are going to go down and shit. So what are your kind of like hypothetical big trades that could go down? If I had to, I, will, I would like to uh, lead this one off if possible. Lead it. Um. So looking at what the Yankees just did, and they just acquired an MVP. I'm looking at teams that are contending, right? You're looking at a team like Houston, who is a, you know, they're the defending champion, and they're probably not going to get any buzz this offseason going into that because of some of the splashes that teams like the Yanks, and I'm sure Boston got something up their sleeve because what I've noticed over the years, anytime Boston makes a big move, the Yanks kind of get someone too, and then vice versa. So if I'm Houston, one thing that I'd be trying to do is add more depth to that rotation. And I'm looking at two free agents. One in particular, uh, I know the last time we saw him, he shit the bed. But you, Darvish, I think going back to the American League and going back to a division that he knows very well, I think that could be interesting. And, you know, you have Verlander and you got, you got Keiko. And I don't know what to make of McCullers and uh peacock going forward but you know you had another guy like that in darvish i think that could be something interesting and something you need to do in uh to compete in uh the american league i kind of have the same kind of vain pick as uh nick because it's the arm race now and nick you called it out you said listen if you if you're the Yankees and you make a move, it's usually followed by a Red Sox move, and it and it's a domino effect. Yeah, and if you're looking at just Aaron Judge and just uh, just Giancarlo Stanton, them two combined hit almost as many home runs as the entire Red Sox squad. And this is coming off a year where the Red Sox were historically a smash mouth, score nine runs a game type squad. Like two years ago, they were an offensive juggernaut. Then they took a giant step back. So I'm looking at the market. I'm saying, who is the premier hitter that we could add to this squad? And at $200, $250 million, I'm going out there and I am spending it on J.D. Martinez if I am the Yankees. I think that that the is... Sox. The Sox. I mean, the, I'm sorry, if the Red Sox. I think that is the perfect destination. I think that's the perfect comeback move. I think it's the perfect way to kind of make the statement of, hey, Yankees, we see you and we raise you one. Because... W- they only lost one player, and that was Big Poppy Ortiz. And what they lost was his clutch, clutch bat and his power bat. And J.D. Martinez brings both of those. J.D. Martinez has been one of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball for the past few years. And he's been going to fantasy teams on discounts. He's been going to team teams on discounts. And there's no more discount for J.D. Martinez. It's time to pay up. And I think the Red Sox are one of the few teams that can pay up and must pay up for a guy like that. Yeah, it's interesting because the Sox, you talk about Benintendi and left. Then they're, they're, they have JBJ on the market, who's obviously a stellar defensive outfielder, and his numbers this year were much better than they were prior. Yeah, so, I mean, they could probably, they'd probably have to move him and put Mookie in center if they make that move. Which I'm okay with. That's, that's a good move. Um, so I was thinking the ALEs too, though. Toronto, they're stuck for me. When they lost Encarnacion and Batista last year, they were thinking possibly rebuilding. But they bought back Batista. Encarnacion obviously walked to Cleveland. And now Batista's a free agent again. He signed that one-year deal, but now he's gone. So you're still stuck somewhere with, with the contracts and everything on the books of, do I want to compete? Do I want to go for it? And I see the Yankees and Red Sox, obviously the face of the division. Or what am I going to do? So you need a corner outfielder. I'm going out and getting Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce can provide power. We saw that in his stint with the Mets and Cleveland last year. But we've also seen it in the past when he's years with the Reds. So... I put Jay Bruce in right field for the Blue Jays. I think that's a good fit for them. 
um, provides power, middle of the bat presence that they need. That Jose Batista last year really didn't give with the numbers he put up and the average. He was hovering 200 at points during the year. So let him go. It was a good, great run. Those years were great in Toronto, but time to move on. Jay Bruce to Toronto. You know, there's there's some interesting rumors going around right now. One of them is Garrett Cole to the Yankees. How do you feel about that? I'd be okay with that. I was actually looking through because the Pirates obviously have been rumored to trade McCutcheon now. Last year was like the big name on the hot stove this time of year, and he wound up staying. So he could be on the move again or being chopped around. And if they move him, they have a nice young prospect in Austin Meadows, who's their top prospect. And Starling Marte is another name who's coming off suspension, right, for PED. So who know how, who knows how he's going to perform over the course of a full season. So if I'm the Pirates, I'm interested in shopping Garrett Cole for another young guy. Maybe Clint Frazier, who the Yankees seemingly have no room for now that they have Aaron Hicks, who looks like the everyday center fielder, and Judge on Giancarlo. And then Gardner, who's getting older, and you know next year's his last year on the deal. But if you have the Yankees now, if you're in their shoes and you're going for it, you make that trade for Stanton. If you want the final piece of the puzzle, it's probably a starting pitcher, right? CC's gone. They have no back at the end of rotation guy. They have Jordan Montgomery, who's their four, but no five. And you add Garrett Cole. He's a perfect 3-4 guy in that rotation behind Severino and Gray and Tanaka. So, I mean, why not? Go for it. And sending the other way, you could send them Andujar, who's a top third base prospect, who they could use if they want to move. Uh, they have Josh Harrison kind of, you know, somewhere in there. But Andujar would be great at third base if you move Harrison second. And then uh, Frazier, yeah, if you want to, if Marte isn't cutting it anymore. Listen, once All-Star, yes, but if you take into account if he was on the PEDs or not, you know, what can he give you now afterwards? So, I mean, that would be my proposed package if I were the Yankees. If I was the Pirates, I'd definitely be in sell mode. Another another interesting one that I just, I'm looking at all these Astros. Uh, are are interested in Darvish, like Nick said, but also Arietta. That Arietta, he's a free agent, so he just they wouldn't have to give up. Oh, Darvish is too. I'm bugging. I'm sorry. Sinker baller in that in that stadium could be really well. You already see it works well for Keuchel and the Mets and the Rangers. Harvey for Profar, uh, the Har- Har- Profar and Harvey both kind of sizzled out after being hot prospects. I think I would like that if I was the Mets, I would make that trade. I think the Mets have a lot of depth at at the starting pitcher position, and they need some middle infield help. If you got that really young core right up the middle, Dominic Smith at first base. I'm I'm down with that. Maybe make a move for Manny Machado like you were talking about earlier. The, yeah. the next offseason. Heyman tweeted that out and then kind of shut it down like shortly thereafter because he said Harvey's a free agent uh, after this year and he doesn't know if the Rangers really are interested. But yeah, man, like Rosario, like you said, Ahmed Rosario who's a top prospect himself in baseball and former number one prospect in baseball, Yerkson Profar, who's still in his young twenties. Yeah. So, I mean, that would shore up the middle infielder if he can come around. He's been a huge disappointment in Texas for a long time. Um, they've kind of moved on from him with Odor and Andrews up the middle. And they try, I know, in the outfield and stuff. But, hey, if you're the Mets, you get him. You got, like you said, Dom Smith at first. Why not go after Machado? Cespedes in the outfield, Ligaris in center, and then whoever you want. I mean, you got the staff already pitching. You have a ton of pitching depth. So Harvey's pretty much expendable at this point. Michael Conforto, don't forget. Yeah, Conforto. I, I like Profar. He's only 24 years old. And listen, he made his debut in 2012. So he's been up here for a while. But maybe a change of, change of scenery will be right for him. For both of them. Yeah. Which is why I think it's you know it's a decent trade. If you take away like the free agent implications and all that stuff. Straight up, I would do it. Straight up. For both sides, really. Because the Rangers could use the pitching too. This is my favorite time, man. The winter meetings. I, I used to daydream when I was a kid that I was just like at the winter meetings, wheeling and dealing. 
I used to go and get the newspaper every single day, just waiting. I used to watch Sports Center every morning. I used to come home watch Sports Center. I used to watch baseball tonight. Like I, I used to be obsessed. Yes. I would be on the school computers, like refreshing the hot stove page. The stove is on fire right now. It's lit. Oh, yeah. The stove is lit. <laughs> stove is lit. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, so let's go over the past week. Uh, week 14 in the NFL. Some great fucking games. Some good games. Some unfortunate injuries. Uh, uh. One in this first game, the Saints versus Falcons. Alvin Kamara goes down early. Concussion. Uh, affected the Saints that game and affected my fantasy team. I'm fucking out now. Thanks a lot. A lot of people's fantasy teams went down that day. Oh, so upset, dude. Yeah. I have I'm, yet to win a playoff game. I think the, this game, <laughs> I'm moving on from your... Uh, you're venting, yeah, your sorrow. <laughs> but uh, this game was changed for me right before halftime when uh, the Saints got that pick. I think it was Lattimore who actually made the interception. Lined up for a field goal with four seconds left. Nailed it with Lutz, and they get called for illegal formation with no time on the clock. Ultimately, time runs out. It's halftime. They don't get a chance to re-kick it. Fast forward to later in the game, fourth quarter. You're down three points. At this point, your team is dinged up. You already lost Kamara. Uh, Lattimore struggling to even stay on the field. He needs going to the sideline mid-drives for oxygen and stuff. And Sean Payton's like, you know, I'm just going to go for the win. Fuck it, whatever happens. Whereas if that field goal goes through earlier in the game, you're looking at a tie game and an opportunity to run out the clock and kick the game-winning field goal and walk home with a win. Instead, we obviously know Drew Brees throws the pick in the end zone and Deion Jones seals the day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that was a game changer right there for me. Shout out to the, the Falcons defense. The The Falcons are – you know, you, everyone knows that listens to the show how I feel about the Falcons. I think they're frauds. But it's not because their defense hasn't played well this year. Their defense has been the catalyst. Matt Ryan throws an interception right before the half that sets up that field goal, throws an interception in the red zone, a really, really bad one, and just does everything in his human power to lose his game. Uh, but Drew Brees is up to the task, and he throws a red zone interception as well. As Nick shuffles papers over there, um, the shuffling of the football was was there. So I, I think if Alvin Kamara uh, was in that game, it would be a little bit different. Um, but he's only in the concussion protocol, so he'll be back. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it's a shame, but, you know, Falcons won. Uh, I don't know about shuffling papers. Um, I didn't <laughs> shuffle anything. I don't know what that noise was. Um, the Falcons just needed it more, man. That's really what it came down to. Um, Falcons lost. If the Falcons would have lost that game, they would have been out the playoffs. I saw a more hungry and fired up team. It helped that they were playing at home. And, hey, we have a rematch in two weeks. So that should be fun. And Atlanta controls its own destiny. I feel like that's the best position to be in sports if you don't need to scoreboard watch and you just take care of business. If Atlanta wins out, they win the division. So you're looking at three teams. This is a very exciting race. Um, I did predict in the preseason that we'd have three teams in the playoffs coming out of this division, though the team that's currently in first I had last and the team I had last is in first. So there's that. (laughs) All right. Um Next game we have is the Packers beating the Browns 27-21. to Shout out to Josh Gordon, just scoring his first touchdown in four years, three years, whatever the fuck it's been, then throwing the shades on on the sidelines. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, it is unbelievable what this dude is doing. I know we say this every week, but it's just, it's such a joy to watch. 
Um, yo, he's my age. <laughs> it's crazy. Like he's he's 26 years old and he's lost three years of football, but it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. And the guy, I, I remember watching this game. I had this game on my iPad actually, not not just on Red Zone. And uh, they were talking about how when the media was there. And you know how, like, uh, everybody that does the broadcast, they go in a day or two before the game and they sit down with players and coaches and that's how they have all these random little tidbits like, oh, this guy was an all-pro wrestler before joining the Tampa Bay Bucks or, like, shit like that. They said when Josh Gordon walked in, he, he legit is a freak of nature. Like, how big, how fast, how, like, chiseled he is and... Despite all he's been through, I think that's just incredible. Uh, yeah, he's he's something else. Do you know what else is something else? How the Browns decided to get to give Hugh Jackson an extension. Uh, he he might be the worst coach in history, and it was coaching at its finest again as they blew a twenty-one point lead to stay uh, in the no-win column. Um, that was a ridiculous game. And shout out to Brett Hundley, who his job was on the line today in a, in a bad way. If they won, he was going to the bench. If they lost, he probably had the rest of the season yeah. to you know prove himself to another team. And he instead made a play and made a bunch of plays to bring that team back. And now they're alive. And with Carson Wentz down, you take that team and you add Aaron Rodgers, and all of a sudden... The balance of power starts shifting in the NFC out I'm of nowhere. I'm so excited, dude. Yeah, and I'm it, so excited. It's so crazy because, especially because this season in the NFL, everything is so much of a surprise. Week to week, there's different narratives about teams, and week to week, like the Panthers looked like they couldn't beat a team last week, and all of a sudden, they're they're beating the shit out of one of the best teams in football, and it's just like th- this this is gonna be crazy, and it, this is just starting because if Aaron Rodgers comes back and he's Aaron Rodgers. That changes legitimately everything. I would be. I'm, I, I would, can't wait. I, I, would, I would like to pick up on that. So the the Browns were winning by fourteen, not twenty one. You, you but right. I you see, right. I see why. Um, twenty one seven. I see what you said. Yeah, uh, twenty one seven was the score, and then Green Bay made the comeback. Like I was saying, this was the most important game of the weekend because you look at the landscape of the NFL, and it's very rare that you get a player like Aaron Rodgers coming back into a situation. We just saw what happened to Carson Wentz. We've seen throughout, it seems like every week, a guy goes down. And teams are getting are not getting healthy this time of year. And you add Rodgers into the mix. I've been hyping him up. I'm telling people, like, yo, this is the best value play on the board in Vegas if you wanted to make a nice investment. I also think that right away, Jordy Nelson becomes a flat-out star again. Devontae Adams already had a nice rapport with uh, Aaron Rodgers prior to Rodgers getting hurt. I, and I just think just Rodgers walking out, it's going to do something to that team. Like, I guarantee you the defense is going to play better because they know, like, yo, even if we give up 30 points, we might put up 40, you know what I'm saying? So, And they found a running back who, you know, um, I think, boss, you were, we were talking about it on Xbox, how... Did you bench Jamal Williams? Yeah, this week I did. Yeah, and I, I tried to. I told you guys last week too how Aaron Jones only played two snaps, and a lot of people got scared of the game-winning touchdown he had. And then yesterday, once again, healthy Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams outsnapped him fifty to eight. So that's that's the bell cow. That's the back going forward. And unless he has one of those two fumble games, I don't see him losing that job. 
Yeah, he had seven receptions, too, in the passing game. So a couple touchdowns, one on the floor, one through the air. I mean, he's kind of doing it all as an all-purpose back for them. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay, it's going to be tough for them to get in the playoffs with those three NFC South teams. But shit, they're right there with A-Rod back. Sign me up. Be hype. Uh, next game, we got the Lions beating the Bucks 24-21. Exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> The Lions are a really good team that beats bad teams. And then when they play good teams, they lose. This is a kind of exciting game. Not for people who owned uh, Mike Evans in fantasy, which is what I did watching James Winston throw touchdowns to, to offensive linemen. But <laughs> there's really there's really not much to say about this game. This really doesn't have much implications. Just, you know. Just another one of the games. Just another one of these yeah, games. Sat Theo Riddick, too. Also, two guys in my lineup last week, him and Jamal Williams. Both on my bench combined fifty plus, and then I, and I'm going home. Yeah. Boss, once once uh, Mary got ruled out, he's a lock and locked and cocked, as I like to say. I know, but I had a football game at twelve o'clock and stuff, so I didn't really see my phone till two. Oh, that's a night course. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> fun. Uh, next game, we got the Chiefs beating the Raiders twenty-six to fifteen. Derek Carr throwing two picks. Yo, Derek Carr couldn't have looked any worse. I know, like, Cooper got dinged up early, but he had his weapons back. Uh, Chiefs, already a bad defense as it is, missing their best player, arguably, in Marcus Peters. And the Derek Carter threw for 400 yards uh, early in the season against the Chiefs. Must have missed the flight to KC. I don't know what happened, but, yeah, good big win for the Chiefs. Get them back on track, especially in the AFC West. That looks up for grabs right now. Derek Carr's I mean, go ahead, Go ahead, Nick. Uh, 25 carries for Kareem Hunt. Um, that tells you pretty much all you need to know here that they fed one of their best players the ball 4.6 yards per carry scored a touchdown for the first time since I believe it was week three and you know even caught three passes so yo get your playmakers the ball and I know as someone that has watched his money be donated because I've rostered Kareem Hunt the last couple of weeks this guy just dream matchup after dream matchup matchup is great and whatnot, and for some reason, he gets zoned out of the offense. And he's a guy that's not really game script dependent. He's very versatile. So he's not a guy that, oh, you know, there's a lot of running backs in the NFL. A team goes down 10 nothing. They're a non-factor. I don't think he's one of those kind of running backs. And you see, he gets he gets 28 touches, and they win the game. Yeah, they definitely got to feed him the ball more. Because we see, like, a lot of times we see them lose games, and he's got, like, Eight carries. It's like, yo, you have something special there with Kareem Hunt. You give this guy the ball. You got to get him going early. <clears throat> on the the Raiders side, Derek Carr, by the way, averaging seven yards per pass. Um, it's time to start asking it not is Derek Carr one of the elites, but is Derek Carr one of the Alex Smiths of the past? Where No, no. I, I strongly disagree. It's, not, it's Jack Del Rio, man. He needs an offensive mind. That's all. I okay. In my, in that's, my opinion, that's the biggest issue with that. Team. That's that's a fair, that's a fair point. But when you have a team that can't take advantage of, when you're supposed to be a big play team and you can't take impl- advantage of the big the team that gives up the most big plays in the league in your division, that's a major problem. Whether it's Derek Carr or whether it's Jack Del Rio or any of the play callers. Uh, this team needs to be able to make more big plays, and some of that has to fall on the shoulder of Derek Carr. Um, who's making big plays on that, Tim? Tim uh, ah, take two. The who's same, making big plays? 
plays on that team, Tim. I mean, Crabtree's a possession receiver. Cooper was out. Cordell Patterson, who's a gadget returner and end-around guy, like, they also kind of lack explosive plays because they don't have explosive players. Well, last year they were that was their thing. They, they would run the ball all the time, and then they'd make a lot of explosive plays on play action. So there was the same players making the same plays. So why can't these dudes make the plays anymore? They also benefited from the turnovers of the defense. The defense isn't playing that well, and it set them up in situations where they can take shots. They say when a team gets a turnover in the middle of the field, that very next play is when you should take a shot, right? So the Raiders last year, uh, from watching their games, they had a lot of interceptions where, you know, it'd be at the 40 or 50-yard line, and they'd set up big plays downfield. The ACDC, which was going around pretty much every week, it was an Instagram post of them too. So I think a lot of it has to do with, I'm not selling my stock on Derek Carr. If anyone wants to sell, I will gladly buy I think Jack Del Rio was a perfect candidate for the job to change the culture of that team. But look, he was, we know what Jack Del Rio is. He's a defensive coordinator. And you can't have him trying to groom a young quarterback like Derek Carr. Top 10 in the league in big plays last year. Somewhere towards the bottom this year. It, someone's, got, someone's to blame, and that's the reason why they're losing. Whoever it is to blame, they got to figure that shit out quick. Uh, next game we got here: Panthers beating the Vikings thirty-one to twenty-four. Vikings. I would like. I would like to say this: If any of you guys are having a bad day, just know that someone lost their fantasy week to somebody starting Jonathan Stewart. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And someone <laughs> probably won a million dollars because they played Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. So, like, you know, I was getting some feedback of a tweet that I put out. And uh, it was it, it had to do with him, and it had to do with Jordan Howard, and um, more so Jonathan Stewart, because all these experts, myself included, who has a fantasy show, uh, everybody, in the end of the day, we don't really know what we're talking about when shit like this happens. And it's very, it's very frustrating, man. This guy, I think he had more yards in this game than he did all year. Uh, Minnesota's top five in DVOA against the run. This guy just looks like he's in Oregon again. And I was just fed up. Uh, I saw the Millionaire Maker, I think, featured Jonathan Stewart at like 0.2%. And, uh, yeah, I got tucked all the way in. Do, do, you know what's, do you know what's funny, too? Like, I feel like Cam Newton has a little LeBron James in him in terms of, like, this guy is such a superior athlete that he can kind of coast – he could like kind of coast around on these games like against the Jets and not play very well and not put up the best stats but do just enough to win. And then he really steps his game up against against teams like this. I think a lot of the reason why Jonathan Stewart had such uh, an easy time is because Cam Newton was out there running all over the place. He was throwing all over the place. And you saw when, when Jonathan Stewart ran for the big run, you saw the entire team uh, get ready for a Cam Newton sneak. And that left a giant gaping hole right up the middle for... Uh, for Stewart on the Stewart uh, uh, touchdown run where he was right on the goal line, the team was slamming towards the middle to stop Cam Newton, and John the Stewart had the the wherewithal to jump over that top middle pile. So this team definitely starts and ends with Cam Newton, and it was impressive what he was doing. Devin Funches um, was one of the few people that tore up Xavier Rose this year. I had I didn't think that would had any possibility of happening, but Funches looks like one of the better receivers in football uh, as the year goes on, and you know, kudos to the the Panthers. I counted them out as 
last week when I was breaking down this game, I thought the Vikings would outclass them, but they were in the same class and they actually outclassed the Vikings. So kudos to the Panthers for reminding everyone that they're just as much in the mix in this NFC as anybody else is. I don't know how I feel about the Panthers. They're so like on and off for me. Like it's just like it's Cam I, Newton who's like hot or cold. I just feel like they're the. He wasn't, even, he wasn't even that hot though. He was like what he thirteen wasn't. to twenty five. But he was making plays with his legs. It's the legs, and man. It's the when legs. you have to respect the legs, that's when he becomes a danger. I just feel like, like they're nine and four, but I don't feel like they are. Do you know what I mean? They're I feel quiet. Like they're they're worse not beating anyone bad. I mean, they're not beat. They're not blowing anyone out by any means. But they're slow, like, quietly picking up good wins like this one. Minnesota at, at home. They beat the Falcons too. They have a win over the Saints, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They have, no, they, have some... they lost twice to the Saints. Oh, did they? But they beat the. They lost to the Falcons too, actually. Who who else they beat? Um, they don't really. Ha- I don't think they have an let me, impressive win. Let me pull win. this up. They lost to Philly also. Um, they beat they the Vikings. That's like impressive. The top, they've really beat up on like the shitty teams that they played. Yeah, they have. Well, they beat the Patriots. Let's not forget that one. That's right. They did beat in the Foxborough. Yeah. Yeah. In Foxborough. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the next game we have is the 49ers beating the Texans 26 to 16. Jimmy G. I think me and Boss took him last week, or was it me and Nick? Nah, I had. It was. It was my only win. I had the Niners. I'm riding the bandwagon, yo. Jimmy G is the truth. He's the man. I like him. He looks just like Tom Brady. It's crazy. Fucking hot dude. <laughs> Get that guy some Uggs. Marquise Goodwin had a big game. Marquise Goodwin, I feel like, could be, like, I mean, if this was, Marquise. like, week five of the fantasy season, I'd be like, this guy's getting on my fucking team. You should get him yeah, right now. Marquise Goodwin he has, uh, He's been on my team for a while. So hey, two time. weeks ago, he was on the waiver wave, just saying, you know, just saying, just putting that out there. Two, uh, 20 targets in two games with uh, Garoppolo at the helm. And uh, if you go back to the game that he came in in relief, he had two targets, too. So you're looking at, like, you know, two games and a drive where he has 22 targets. And look, Marquise Goodwin was a, he's a track star. He was an Olympian and he's being utilized like Julian Edelman. He's catching a lot of underneath stuff. He ran a fantastic route yesterday. I was watching that game and uh, he ran a great route. It was similar to the route that Edelman scored on um, uh, Jeremy Lane in the Super Bowl. If you remember that route he ran, it's, it's called a ribbon route. If you played a, uh, any levels of football, and he just ran that, and that, that's a pretty tough route to run. You know, if if you're known as a speedster, that's not really a route that is in your repertoire, and uh, he he ran that really well, and that rapport, man, he's becoming a possession receiver as well as that home run threat who could take it 90 yards at any time. And the Texans are kind of just, we're not expecting much out of them. I will say, though, I think DeAndre Hopkins might be, like, the best Wide receiver. This dude is ridiculous. He's too good. He's ridiculous. He's yeah, like, it's unbelievable. It's like he gets on. better when his quarterback is worse. <laughs> it's crazy. This guy is unbelievable. Eleven catches, you know, hundred fifty yards, two touchdowns. Can I ask you guys? Can I ask you guys a fantasy question? Yeah. If next year, where are you taking DeAndre Hopkins? Because I'm watching that game and I'm like, dude, if he gets the Sean Watson back, I might just take him number one overall. I wouldn't. PBR. I wouldn't say number one, but I'd say top six. I was gonna say like five to seven, like like mid to late first. After round. the running backs, I'm taking David Johnson. I'm taking Le'Veon Bell before him. Probably taking Kamara before him. You take Kamara before DeAndre Hopkins? Yes. I don't know about that. Oi. That's kind of crazy. Let's make, sure, let's make sure we run the uh, VM league next year too. On that, bro, he's splitting. Kamara's splitting. So. 
So he's gonna. He's whatever. I'm not. That, gonna that's have a good logic for the people that didn't sign Kamara this year. I have Kamara. He's gonna be even more involved next year. All right. I would take him number one. You guys once laughed at me when I said I'd take David take, Johnson number one. I would be also laughed at you when you said you'd take Colin Kaepernick first overall. I was that was way way. It doesn't in the past. at any point. <laughs> no, that was that was a stupid. I thing. also I also was in a two quarterback league, which changes everything. It doesn't. That's yes, so yes, stupid. It does. Nick, how you does still don't take how does, number one overall, man? Well, I, it would have worked out that year because he won the Super Bowl that year. Suck, suck a dick. It wouldn't have worked no, out. No, I mean it was the year after. Yeah, he threw like after. he scored like thirty touchdowns we that year. Talking about this. Yeah. Two quarterback leagues no. are completely different, trust me. Next game, we have the Bills beating the Colts 13-7 to in the Blizzard Bowl. <laughs> that was the wildest shit. I couldn't even see the game. Yeah, it was like it looked like four to six inches of snow on the field. Anyone who was up in the nosebleeds, I, they probably couldn't see the field. It was ridiculous. You could barely Classic see Classic Buffalo. Yeah. Yo, that was bad. Frank Gore, McCoy, how many carries did they combine for? Like, like Frank Gore 80. had 36 yeah, carries. The Sean McCoy had 32 carries. Crazy. Almost 68. 80. Yo, it was wild. And it was funny because we were watching this game and I was watching with my brother and I was like, this is like the only game that I could probably participate in in the NFL because we're all <laughs> the same speed at this point. You know what I mean? I was like, at this point, except no one's sh- fast. Except Shady. Shady's well, yeah. still beating people to the edge in the middle <laughs> of fucking snow. But yeah, that was a fun game to watch, man. I, football purists... You know, that's that's the kind of shit you like to see. It was, it was wacky fun. game. Joe yeah, Webb wound wacky. up on their center at one point because Nathan Peterman took a concussion. Crazy. The, it's funny that Joe Webb, uh, the last game he played, he beat the Eagles. As a Viking? Probably. Yeah, he beat the Eagles. So McCoy went up to him after the, during the game. He was like, you'll just do whatever you did last time when you beat us. When, <laughs> when Shady was on the Eagles. The leading receiver in this game, 38 yards, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, it was on, all on like two catches in the same drive. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Quarter TD. Yeah. Um, next game we have the Bears uh, putting the beats on the Bengals, thirty-three to seven. Big Jordan Howard day, twenty-three carries, hundred forty-seven yards, two touchdowns. About Sol- time. Solid game for Mitch True. Mitch True, eh, yeah, two seventy-one and a touchdown. And for all those people who started the Bengals defense in fantasy and telling, thinking, oh yeah, losing all those players, what well, doesn't matter? It does. Yep. Oh yes, it does. If and also that that should have made you be confident in guys like Jordan Howard. For sure. Yeah, I mean he 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 went off. Um, I don't know what else to say about this game. Honestly, it's a meaningless game. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, next we have uh, the Cowboys beating the Giants thirty to ten. Uh, exciting. Eli gets his start back. Yeah, that was cool for a second. <laughs> and, then, um, and then he missed a wide-open receiver. I was saying, too, when he came onto the field, they were giving me a standing ovation, which was awesome. And I was like, it'd be such an Eli thing to throw a pick right here. <laughs> uh, it, was tight, it was a tight game Yeah, through, through the third quarter. Cowboys back? A couple turnovers. and Cowboys back. Are the Cowboys back? No. Dak looks to be a little more comfortable. Jason Witten getting involved a little bit. Rod what? Smith running. Against the Giants, yeah, who the are Giants. a completely def- deflated, defeated team. This is very true. I uh, think I think Witten had only that one catch. No, that was right. nah. You're you're right. It was late in third quarter. It was the first target and first catch. Yeah, yeah. And, and Des made a, a play on a guy Dixon, who I I like to say and I like to think that I know the Giants better than a lot of people do. And I follow them so much. I have no idea who Dixon is. So. <laughs> Des, 
Dez once again makes plays on no-name corners. So I'm not buying into Dez. The way I feel about Dez, nothing changes. Hey, QB, two two wins in a row against NL. I mean, and, and NL East, NFC East teams. There is something to be said about that. They get the Raiders next week. Then they finish the year against the Seahawks, who could be vulnerable. And or the a, Eagles minus the Wentz. Seahawks is a good test because I mean Seahawks coming off of L to the Jags and maybe, I don't know wild card contention could spice up if the NFC South suffers. Yeah. Next game we have the Cardinals beating the Titans twelve to seven. You want to talk about exciting? <laughs> this game was so. It was exciting else. if you had Phil Dawson and Daly, which I did. I put together my best lineup ever in Daly this week. I was very proud of myself. Good for you. Who yeah, you no want? problem. Eight cents. Nah, I won $35. Wow. I only play like $1 tournaments, though, so that's a lot. It is. That's 35 times. Yeah, that's a lot. Nice. Uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Broncos beat the shit out of the Jets. 23 nothing. McCown breaks his fucking hand out for the season. Yeah, it sucks for McCown. Like, it's, it's a shitty way to end the, what he was having. It was career year. Yeah. So, yeah. The beat goes on for the Jets. They're sitting, what, 10th, I think? And uh, if the draft were to start today, so they're in pretty good shape to get a top 10 pick and maybe move down a bit. I, I hope they lose out. Uh, with The way Bryce Petty played last week, it looks like they will. Uh, I'd like to get – right now the mock, dra- mock drafts have us taking Lamar Jackson. No <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So no thank you. Let's move up a little bit. Also, I put in a bet preseason that the Jets would win under six games. And if they lose out, I win that bet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Uh, Lamar Jackson, unbelievable. Uh, enough. Move on, move on, please. I know. Chargers beat the Redskins 30-13. to Yo, the Chargers all of a sudden look like the best team in football. They got Casey Hayward, who's playing like the best, the best defensive back in the league. They have Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, who's playing like the best wide receiver in the league. Phillip Rivers is playing like the best quarterback in the league. They got two pass rushers who are playing like some of the best pass rushers in the league. That team is stacked everywhere you look. And they're finally putting it all together, and they're finally making sense of it. And it, it, it seems as though they're finally kicking out that that very pesky, uh, unclutchness that's been following them around for the past <laughs> few years. So, look. That that division's wide open, as we've mentioned before. As everyone continues to mention, everyone's favorite new team is the uh, is the Chargers. And shout out to Nick, who was on the Chargers w- before the bandwagon got so full. Um, you too, you too, boss. Shout out to shout out to boss. This Nick to win the division. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, let's. Nick, this is a good win for them again. Keenan Allen making a hundred yards look like a, a walk in the park these days. Was you have three, four straight hundred yard games? Four. I mean, they're rolling. They beat a, a battered and bruised Redskins team who pretty much have nothing to play for at this point in the season. But yeah, man, you gotta win. You gotta beat who's in front of you, and they continue to roll and convincingly too at that point. Yeah, about the Redskins, they have a date with the Denver Broncos, I believe. Um, I think that's in Week 16. We pull up the schedule quick just to confirm. And uh, I think that's a very important game because uh, John Elway is going to get to see his future quarterback up close. I was going to say, you think he's going to get him a nice hotel room, send him a nice perks package? Well, they're yeah, they're playing they're playing in uh in in Maryland. They're playing at FedEx Field, so Washington's the home team. But I can definitely see John Elway. You know, maybe pulling up next to Mrs. Cousins and the new baby, and being like, "Hey, you know, Denver, 
uh, why not? You know, it would be interesting. Um, and now for the most depressing, if you're a Philly fan, game of the week. Uh, the Eagles beat the Rams 43-35. to However, they lose Carson Wentz for the year with a torn ACL. Ooh. This one has a lot of rippling repercussions to it. First of all, it fucking sucks. It does suck. That we got to watch another great quarterback go down. We got to watch another fucking young guy on the rise. Like, this guy was the MVP. He really was. And, and if, if, if you're not thinking about Russell Wilson. So... When when you're looking at that, it's like, ah, oh. yeah. Especially for a Philly team, like now you're gonna look to Nick Foles, right? Now Nick Foles, once upon a time, played well for Philly, but that was a different coach with a different scheme, with different skill players. Four years ago, so it's not exactly something that you're gonna that you're gonna bank on. The only thing you can say about Nick Foles is. When he did get his start, it was for Jeff Fisher, and we saw how bad Jeff Fisher offenses are, so you take that with a grain of salt. Um, so, I don't know. This this really sucks if you're an Eagles fan, and I don't know how you could put a positive spin on it. Yeah, I mean, you know what reminds me of last year with uh, Derek Carr in Oakland, right? Similar to the, the Eagles this year, um, the Raiders last year's defense was no joke. Like we said, we talked about it you know, time and time again. The turnovers they were forcing, and... They were just a, a solid unit. And same thing this year. I mean, the Eagles have a formidable offensive and defensive line, right? They're still a pretty complete roster. So I know you take away Carson Wentz, it pretty much takes away Super Bowl hope. But some are even questioning now, like the division, whether the division's locked uh, coming off. No, of, it oh, it is. They I, clinched, that's they right. Yesterday. You're right. With the win, they, they clinched. But uh, yeah, I mean, they still got a lot to play for. I mean, I know the Vikings lost. So the first round, the home field advantage throughout is still up for grabs. I mean, the Eagles are still playing for something. Nick Foles, at least he's a capable backup. I mean, he's been here before in Philly. Like you said, Tim, different situation. I mean, scenario and all that stuff, different personnel. But, I mean, I still think it's a tough hit. Yes, you lose an MVP caliber type quarterback. But the Eagles, I feel like, have a roster that could sustain that hit. Maybe not to the point of winning the Super Bowl, as they were possibly favored to. But they're still good enough, in my eyes, to make a deep playoff run. I mean, Nick Foles is like I, we've seen him play well in the in the past, so should be. Yo, right. I have an issue with uh, Tony Dungy. I don't know if you guys are watching the uh, pregame show to a Sunday Night Football, but this this guy just insulted my intelligence as a sports fan by coming out and saying that you know they're going to be fine without Wentz and they could still win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Like, come on, man, don't do that to me. Don't don't try to sell me on on Nick Foles is going to be the answer and. And that they're fine and they'll be okay. Like, come on, don't do that. If this was last year and Carson Wentz was playing the, the way that he was playing last year, I could see that. But you, this guy's an MVP candidate for a reason. Right, right now, the Eagles are in the bottom five in third and longs. Like they have, they're in the bottom five in the amount of third and sixes they've had. So Carson Wentz is making plays to extend drives for them. Last week, he threw an absolute dime piece touchdown on a third and eleven from the twenty. So, plays like that aren't going to be made by Nick Foles. So, this whole team has to step up their game. They're going to need all four of those running backs to be well. They're going to need Alshon Jeffrey to make a lot of plays. Can they win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Um, but can they contend and still, like, make some noise? I think maybe. I think Dungy might be going a little too far with the Super Bowl thing. But they still have a really good defense. 
Uh, they still have really good weapons. So, you know, I- I'm not counting them completely out yet. But as for a championship, probably not. Not that this is what they planned for, but this JJ Ajay trade looks better and better now. I mean, you got a, a runner, proven runner in the league, and you got two bruisers who can go out there and get you some yards between him and Blunt. Like Tim said, I think we see the four-headed monster a lot more now, whether it's throwing out of the backfield or just getting between the tackles and getting dirty with it. Um, all right, and we got the uh, Steelers uh, beating the Ravens. 39-38, really cool game. Ended up coming down to a last-second field goal. Um, but, yeah, good win. Antonio Yo. Brown is fucking ridiculous. Yo, MVP? I think so. This guy is ridiculous. I agree. He's on my fantasy squad. I love it. I mean, he's <laughs> obviously in talks for MVP. I think I'm more impressed with the Ravens' offense coming to life. I mean, this team, this team was in the bottom of the league and – all sorts of points for, you know, passing yards, everything. They're they're not doing anything all year. And then, I don't know, they started running the ball a little bit, and now they got Danny Woodhead back, an option out of the backfield, even though he didn't really do much after the first quarter. But Alex Collins, for a dude who got cut right before the season and picked up by a different team, is shown out pretty much all year long. So I'm kind of impressed with the Ravens going forward, a team I kind of took lightly as a joke of a wild card team. But – I don't know, after watching them last night, if, if that offense, I know it's not going to produce at this rate for the rest of the season and through the playoffs, but if they can put up 20 to 24 points, I think that team might be all right. Dude, Joe Flacco sucks. I know. If that team had Colin Kaepernick, and I'm, I'm, oh I'm not, I don't want to be that guy. Stop. No, you're thinking about... Else, listen, yo. listen. All right, fine. That's terrible. All right, listen. Look, you don't think they'd be better? No. What? They would be better with anyone. No. Nah. I'm thinking about available quarterbacks. They'd and be better with Colin almost Kaepernick. Any, he's the best one available. Nah, he hasn't He's not even available anymore. Why not, bro? He's suing the league. He so what? No one's gonna sign him. All right, I don't, this isn't a Colin Kaepernick debate. What I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm really saying is, you could pick up whoever is available off the street, and he'll probably be better than Joe Flacco at this point. He sucks. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I agree with he sucks, but I mean, there's not much better options out there. Um. All right, and the, the last game on the slate here that we're talking about is the Jaguars beating the Seahawks 30-24. to Yo, I've, uh, I, I don't know if I've said it on here, but one of my favorite sporting events ever is uh, the Malice at the Palace um, when Ron Artest went into the crowd and just started beating up fans. And I know it sounds terrible to say, but... That is terrible if, to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if you throw shit at an athlete, if you uh, hit them physically, if you assault them in any way, I think the athlete has a right to pummel your face into the ground with no repercussions. These dudes throwing glass bottles at Tyler Lockett and throwing beer at uh, Jefferson, the defensive tackle, and he snapped. He wanted to go into the crowd. And, like, every, every fan is over there drawing back at him because they know in their back pocket. They're like, yo, if you hit me, I'm going to sue you for everything you got. And that's lame and that's trash. I think that there should be a rule where in an athletic venue, if a fan makes contact with a with a fan, it's bedtime for the fan. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is technically bedtime. Yo, they get thrown out. You can't just violate people. Dude, you do that to someone on the street, like a fight breaks out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be doing that shit to people. Throwing bottles? Come on, man. I, I hope those are plastic because, like, you have to be an idiot as a franchise to serve glass at a stadium. 
I mean, if you go to pretty much any stadium in the Northeast, you get a beer, your beer in a cup or poured out for you. They don't even give you the bottle cap no more. So I'm hoping those bottles are plastic, but that doesn't take away from the conduct of the fans. Like, that's totally unacceptable and all that stuff. At the end of the day, I know Nick used the word athlete a lot, but they're human. Like, if you do anything to a human to tick them off, natural reaction is they want to fight you. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was poor conduct and everything on, on both parties, but, you know. I see where you guys are coming from, but if you're a professional athlete, right, and you get a, a bottle comes thrown at you with the, in, from the crowd, what are you going to do? You're going to jump in the crowd and nah, find you, a random person? Like, Tim, come on. Tim, just go first the, of all, go in the, go in you the, out of all people... Have a short temper. I've seen it numerous times. <laughs> Tim so don't stand there like if you get hit with a bottle, you're gonna be like, "Oh, well, I'm a professional. I'm not a professional." Yeah, but it's I'm not about amateur. that. It's not. There's nothing professional about that. I think that if you're going to throw something onto the field or you're gonna throw something at a player, it should be the same thing as if you assault a taxi driver or if you assault a bus driver. I agree. That is a big time offense. But the bus it should driver, be like that. But it's not legal for the bus driver to, to attack back. No, but it's not. It, it's frowned upon. It's not like this guy's going to jail because you hit someone. It's self-defense. Nah, yeah, they do. They go to jail. They go to like stadium jail. If you hit a bus driver and they hit you back, what's going to happen? That's nah, self-defense. You're going to go to jail. The bus driver. If you know if you hit a bus driver. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the people in the stadium who throw this shit, they go to stadium jail, and they get big ass fines. And they get kicked out of the stadium for the rest of their lives. I just I just don't understand it from his perspective in terms of like, what am I going to jump in the crowd and fight everybody? Yes. No. Truly, as Fat Joe said, that's going mellow and risking it all. <laughs> that ass, though. Like, you, I know Yo. it's a tough moment like where you're getting shit thrown at you. It's a heated moment because shit just popped off on the field, so you're already tensed up. That's, why, that's what happened. Yeah, but like, you really are risking it all by going into the field. You're risking your job, your career. Yeah, but you, you know, you, it, you're, you're Especially human. in a sport, like this instance, football, where there's no like, guaranteed contracts don't exist. Like you, you gotta play it cool. But there's just certain things. I know that are you're just human. Human I know. elements, but I know. It's, it's it's like someone like throwing a jab at you in the face, and you're like, "Don't flinch. You're a professional." It's like I. That's just how people react to shit. Like I'm in a heated argument. You're gonna throw something at me. Like say what you ever want. They endure probably the most crazy shit. I can't imagine how many people are calling them the N word and saying say, all just, kinds of shit. What do you think their mentions look like on Twitter? That I know. Can't so react. like, and they just block all that out. And everyone just doesn't give them any credit for that because they're expected to do that. And then someone throws a bottle at you in that moment. Fuck that. Get in the stands. Beat the shit out of them. <laughs> take the rest of the team with you. Everyone. Fuck up the entire section. If someone throws a, a fucking bottle from section B, all of section B, everyone gets an ass whooping in alphabetical order. That's how Yo, it should there's be. A, there's a legendary soccer player. And uh, for he, his name is Eric Cantona. He used to play for Manchester United. This guy was known for like... If you flip them off, he would drop kick you like a fan's in the front row. There's, yo, I'm not bullshitting you. There's like thousands of videos on the internet. This guy's a hothead, and, he, and they would ask him like, "Dude, you can't be doing that. What, what is going on?" He's like, "Yo, you're gonna disrespect me, and you want to act like a tough guy. I'm gonna come press you, and then you're gonna see how tough you really are." <laughs> what, what was his name? Eric uh, Cantona. He's a he, he, he's like a legend for being like a hothead, but he was a very good soccer player too. Played for Manchester United, and he's French. <laughs> I gotta look this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna oui, oui. I'm gonna tweet out the video right when we finish recording, so people can go and see it on uh, the Veterans Minimum Twitter page. Cheap plug. Oh, you come to me. I really I beat wanna... you up. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my god! I just watched a video of him shadow kicking some dude in the front row. 
This is great. Can you mind his spikes on? Yeah. Love it. Fuck it. Right to the chest. Let him have it. I'm all Cheap about plug. that. Veterans minimum. Veterans underscore minimum on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Come come see us. Um, But, yeah, about this game itself. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson threw three picks. You know, if Russell Wilson just, like, played fourth quarters only, he'd be the best player in history. <laughs> I don't know what they do in the fourth quarter. I don't know how they change the game plan. They obviously take more risks. They just need to do that all the time, and everything will be fine. I don't get it. But the Jaguars made a statement. Uh, Blake Bortles played well, and I was over here talking about how I didn't think the, I didn't think the Jaguars were as real as, real as people think because they didn't play these quarterbacks. They played the MVP of the league as of now. Now that Wentz is out, they played the MVP, and they forced him into three turnovers, and they made him look uncomfortable all night. Yes, he had his at the end, but every time Seattle made a comeback, they answered back. And it was a super impressive win. And the Jaguars have to be considered real now. And, and not to mention, I know everyone's, everyone's favorite thing to do is make fun of Blake Bortles. But Blake Bortles has strung together a, a string of very good games. Games where he's not just ball protector and make sure you don't turn over the ball. Games where they're depending on him to move the ball down the field. And he's been doing it well. And if Blake Bortles could find a way to be what he looked like he could be, when he was playing fourth quarters like Russell Wilson, except his team was down a lot, uh, that that team's scary and that team's real. Yeah, because I mean they don't need him to play at an elite level. Like you just have to be serviceable and get the ball to these guys. I mean you have Didi Westbrook and Keelan Cole. These are two guys that I feel like are coming into their own, and these could be good players that kind of make up for the loss of uh, a Rob. So I mean, not that he's he's obviously better than both of them, but I'm saying like having two of them. Maybe that provides some sort of cushion there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if the Jaguars, if Blake Worlds can keep it together and Leonard Fournette can, you know, be productive on the ground, I think that's the biggest thing as well. When you get the ball rolling with Leonard Fournette, uh, people got to respect that and then just opens the door for Blake Bortles. That's who the Jaguars think they are, Tim. I remember you said that. I don't know who the Jaguars think they are. Yeah, they favored by three points. They proved it. Uh, I know we talked about the game started at 4 o'clock, but that, I mean – they didn't come out to play early, and the, the lingering effects of that long-ass flight cross-country from tip to tip, corner to corner, I mean, it looked like it, it had its effects early on in the game. Yep. All right, well, uh, that's our show for this week. Uh, Tim, where can they find you? At Tim Petrop on all social media outlets if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. Also, um, the waiver wave comes out today or tomorrow depending on when you are listening to this it's on tuesday uh make sure you get that for your second round playoff matchups if you were lucky enough to move on and uh the brodo fantasy podcast as always wednesday nights everything you need for your yearly fantasy squad mm. uh nick uh lamvm10 on all social media outlets and boss at endavito27 on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joe Sanigato and everyone at Veterans Minimum or, or Instagram Veterans underscore Minimum and our YouTube channel YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum. And that is all. We'll see you on Friday. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network.
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.